Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Rowdy Buddhist. Today, we're going to talk about a specific ancestor of our lineage for Ankyoji. And this is a very colorful figure in Nichiren Buddhism. However, unfortunately, there's not too much in English that is written about him. Pretty much what has been written about him has been in a few scholarly books or what we have uh, explained on our website. And that is, of course, Kuon Join Nishin Shonin, also known as Nabe Kamudi, uh, which is considered the pot wearing saint, who lived from the year 1407 to 1488. And he is, of course, uh, one of the most colorful and his, uh, famous historical figures within Nichiren Buddhism. Uh, many people considered him a second coming of Nichiren Shonen. Uh, and actually, in many ways, he also was different in that he directly, uh, until his end, uh, went into uh, discussion, debate, and conflict with both the government as well as other priests, including those of the Nichiren sect. Uh, he is one of our great uh, uh, patriarchs of our lineage of Tokijonin's Nakayama lineage. And he basically was seen as an uncompromising purist, which is what most people state him as. Uh, his efforts were simply to spread the Lotus Sutra um, all around Japan, also to correct uh, Japan, uh, to correct Japanese Buddhism, because as I said, and we'll get into the story, there were many Jap uh, Nichiren priests that actually persecuted him due to his um, calling them out on certain practices, because as I'll explain later, Sometimes the difference between Tendai and Nichiren, uh, Nichiren Shonen's followers were very minimal. And actually it was seen as a part of Tendai. So um, he followed as much as he could in Nichiren Shonen's steps. Um, and he eventually wanted to be dispatched to spread Nichiren Buddhism all around Japan. And that's, of course, how our lineage, our temple was incorporated through one of his many debates uh, with teachers under the spirit of what we would reg regularly call shakubuku, uh, which would mean to uh, break someone's ignorance uh, and to subdue them into um, understanding. And he arrived in Kyoto at the age of 20, in which this is the major part in which he becomes a figure within history in which he makes a statement regarding his spirit of spreading the Dharma and reforming or reestablishing Buddhism in Japan. And this quote was simply the quote that, quote, one's body is insignificant, but the Dharma is profound, end quote. And this was his model throughout his entire life, as you can see, and we'll explain where that name came from, um, Nabe Kamuri. Uh, which would basically mean pot-wearing saint, how he came about to be established and called that. So he basically wrote a thesis, which was his main doctrine, which was a appendance or like a revamping of Nichiren Shonen's Rishuan Kokoro. Uh, 
So he, again, of course, under Nietzsche and Shonen's example, resubmitted that to the government um, based on the current affairs. So he, in a way, modernized it. But in many ways, people state that it is actually um, an amazing work, just as the same as Dishon Kokoron. And, of course, he used this, he presented this at the time the shogun was Ashikaga Yoshinori. Uh, which was, of course, one of his big mistakes uh, in in his, uh, as people see it as a mistake, but actually it was definitely in the spirit of Nichiren and Shonen. The Ashikaga period, uh, just to give you a little background, was a period of one, of course, of great disturbance, which was very similar to Nichiren and Shonen's time, uh, and at the same time was amazing in how much artistic production or manufacturing had been going on in Japan. And in this period when war and rebellion were an everyday occurrence, uh, you know, and the people, you know, owned the land and pretty much all of the wealth for the chosen few, it's from this time that we see this kind of public order and morality sinking to a real real low. And even some of the great Buddhist monasteries at that time, which were originally centers of pacifism, became filled with soldier monks. Uh, the perfect example being Mount Hiei, which was, of course, so close to the capital, became a very powerful and troublesome issue um, in, in that it was actually twice burned. That's why we don't have much information or documents concerning Nichiren and Shonen or anything even after that time because of the amount of times it had been destroyed, which, you know, they basically, um, and at that time, Nichiren Buddhism had grown quite extensively in Kyoto. They, the monks of Mount Hiei were very jealous of Nichiren Buddhism. And they regarded it as a, a schism or a, an offshoot of Tendai. And they didn't like that they didn't have authority over them. So they would come into the capital and especially go after Nichiren Buddhist temples and burn them down. And they specifically um, looked to reestablish their order and power under the... Uh, idea of and they use this idea in order to justify this behavior of Hongaku which was original enlightenment so at this time Nishin Shonin many Nichiren temples were very close if not Tendai temples in which they would perform uh, morning, uh, morning service of the Lotus Sutra and evening service reciting the name of Amida Buddha now, you may think that that's strange, but actually that's the traditional way for Tendai. And as we go into it, that is actually the issue and the reason why he uh, debated and eventually won over the main temple that uh, Enkyoji was a sub-temple of. And that's how we are today of the Nakayama Nishinshonen lineage. And when he submitted this document to him, he immediately he immediately wanted to persecute him and because at that time actually the shogun 
Ashikaga was actually an ordained monk of Manatie, he automatically had the same feeling as the monks on Mount Hie and a kind of bitter resentment towards Nichiren Buddhism, especially Nichiren Buddhism at that time was flourishing uh, because many people saw the breakdown of the Tendai order. So what he decided to do was that, and also based on the charges of other monks, now this is not usually understood, but Nichiren Shonen, because of his success in debating and converting uh, temples to uh, traditional Nichiren Buddhism, he was very well disliked. And, and even those Nichiren priests, um, of course, petitioned for his arrest and defrockment from the order. So even though it may seem as if it was the government, there was also, amongst other priests of other traditions, a great amount of also Nichiren Buddhist priests that wanted him arrested and removed. So he was, of course, arrested and tortured. And he was not only tortured one time, but the torture, and there's actually a great book that uh, shows the uh, amount of torture and pain that Nishin Shonen had to endure and the deepness of his faith, is that he actually tortured him every day for two years. And when we talk about torture, it's not the usual torture where uh, just yelling at you or putting you under a hot lamp. Uh, there are many terrible tortures. And of course, the Shogun took delight in watching this every day. Uh, he actually supervised the, these daily tortures, such as um, putting fire into a hot room, um, racking him, uh, hitting him with sticks or... Uh, small bamboo shoots, uh, also, of course, starving him. Uh, also, uh, they put skewers into his uh, testicles, um, cut off his eyelids, his, uh, cut off his tongue, uh, etc. So he had a very interesting and unusual appearance, but nothing that the Shogun could do would stop Nishin from chanting Namu Myoho Renge Kyo. And he could be heard doing it every day, every night. And even as I said, he had part of his tongue clipped off. The, the person who did it actually had mercy for him and respect for him that he had only done the tip. So actually he spoke throughout his entire life with a lisp uh, and was well known for that kind of unusual way of speaking. Uh, but of course, he continued to chant uh, the Odaimoku Namu Myoho Renge Kyo. And then finally, the Shogun uh, ordered the most excruciating type of pain that this hot boiled pot um, be slammed or jammed onto his head, just right on the exact top of his head to keep him quiet. Uh, but underneath, you could still hear him chanting the Odaimoku over and over and over. And this is a reason why, if you look at Nishin Shonen's pictures, they actually have a small tuft of hair, which was seen as a type of haircut that would have been used by young boys or pages. Um, so it was quite unusual because he couldn't fully shave his head due to the scarring. So he had this strange lisp and then also this unusual haircut uh, and many scars, etc. But he endured and he 
was very motivational and moving for people to become practitioners of the Lotus Sutra. And again, this might have continued forever until he died. Uh, but one of the predictions, which many people don't talk about, but this is in our tradition, that he would be predicted that within a hundred days, uh, he would be the shogun would be assassinated by one of his own uh, vassals, uh, by one of his own people, and the shogun then had while he was watching a theatrical performance, this actual prediction came to uh, to manifestation, and this was under the guise that Nishin Shonin said as was in the Rishuan Kokoron, that the deities, that the Dharma would protect the practitioner, and that, that actually uh, this kind of um, uh, outcome would happen to those that disparage or torture or kill or hate the practitioner of the Lotus Sutra, such as we see uh, with the splitting of the head by Kishibojin. And at that time, during that tradition, the century, that's one of the main traditions was that if someone of your family died, especially if they were a uh, shogun, um, they would release uh, people from the prisons. Uh, and that, that was done in the idea that there, if there was an innocent person or somebody that was unrightly put into prison, this would give merit to the deceased. And that was the reason why they would do it. It's the same as if you see in Asia where people... Uh, release birds or fish, etc. That was the same idea. So they attempted to release all of the prisoners, but of course, uh, Nishin Shonen uh, would not budge. He wouldn't leave. And so basically, he said he would only leave the jail. Uh, and of course, the family was terrified because this might have been uh, bad uh, karma for the deceased shogun in his rebirth. So therefore, they pleaded with him, and he said that he would leave only if the Ashika, Ashika, Ashikaga family converted to Nichiren Buddhism. And actually, to, to be said, um, I had met one of the uh, people associated with that family, and that they are actually um, associated with the Nichiren Shu Temple, and that the family has converted to Nichiren Buddhism uh, due to the situation. So it's a pretty famous story. And once he was released, the pot was removed from his head. So it seems as if that was continually kept there, that this was done over and over, not just one time. Um, and of course, after this had been resolved and he had left, and basically he rebuilt his temple, uh, which had been destroyed, took up his taiko, which is what he was famous for, and that's why we use the Uchiwa taiko, taiko, the fan taiko today and went back to the street corners to chant Namamyo Horenge Kyo. And he is also well known because he would never give up or say no to a challenge. And also he would challenge people. That's why a lot of Kyushu specifically is Nichiren Buddhism because of Nishin Shonen. He is actually purported to have won over 60 debates in the course of 65 year career. So he was only alive for that long. Uh, career-wise for being a priest. And in that 65 years, he was able to convert so many temples, including our temple of Enkyoji. Now, Enkyoji is a sub-temple of a larger temple that was Tendai Temple uh, that followed Nichiren Buddhism. But as I stated, 
uh, one of the issues that he had was that they were not following the correct way of Nichiren and Shonen, that they were actually following the traditional way of Tendai, which meant that uh, in the morning they would chant the Odaimoku, but in the evening they would chant the Nembutsu, Namu Amida Butsu, which was, of course, in um, contradiction to Nichiren and Shonen's uh, idea or belief. And so another really famous story is that he, um, and again, over many uh, examples like Nichiren Shonen, he again was attempted to be killed uh, by a samurai. And people would see him walking up and down the street, and then the samurai uh, came up behind him on a horse, I believe, and cut his head off. Then they threw him into a hole and buried him. Now, one of the interesting aspects of this is that they had thought that they had been rid of him because people were trying to do it the diplomatic way by putting him in jail, but of course someone took it into their own hands. But this, as the story goes, when the next day Nishin Shonen was back on the street uh, chanting the Odaimoku, and so this, this person who had a samurai who had thought he had killed Nishin Shonen was quite perplexed if Nishin Shonen is here who is in the grave and then he um, as the story goes there's a few examples but as the story goes when he dug up the grave to see the body either it was his son or one of his vassals that he had killed because I believe it was at night time uh, that he had uh, attempted to kill Nishin Shonen um, those are of the many different stories that we have about Nishin Shonen he lived good long life for that time period um, also, the amazing amount of teaching and spreading of Nichiren Buddhism is quite extraordinary. And the fact that he did it through debates as well. Uh, and, of course, we owe our appreciation to Nichiren Shonen as being uh, the first founder of, of Enkyoji uh, as far as being in Nichiren uh, Buddhist temple. So, also, one important aspect of Nichiren Shonen's tradition was that before uh, when when he was younger to understand the tradition of Nishin, of uh, um, uh, Nakayama lineage, one of the main aspects, as you may know, of Nakayama lineage is, of course, Aragyo. So he actually uh, practiced Aragyo uh, before he went on to his mission after he had established that uh, Rishuan Kokoron version that he had uh, created based on the, his current time period. And, of, and that meant that he had lived uh, in a graveyard. And uh, during that set of timing, that period, he uh, did water abs absolutions uh, with a suigyo, purification, and uh, reading the sutra continuously and chanting Namu Myoho So he is also seen as one of the main examples of the traditional aspect of Dai Aragyo, or the ascetic practice. Uh, found in our lineage of Nakayama. So I hope that in the future I can put out some more books about Nishin Shonen. He's an extraordinary character uh, and also a great example for us of how Nichiren and Buddhism is to be practiced and studied. And that means with the resolute nature or character of humbleness as well as uh, caring and uh, considering other people, which was the nature of Nishin Shonen. Uh, and the fact that he could, uh, even despite, like Nichiren and Shonen, of all the hardships and difficulties that they had in their lives, 
they were able to die peacefully surrounded by their disciples. That's a very important aspect of having a difficult life uh, with meaning. Uh, there will always be challenges, but we have the old Daimoku, Namu Myoho Renge Kyo and the Dharma. And uh, as the Buddha has promised and, and shown us, we will be able to abide within that and have a good uh, life that we can, of course, support and help all sentient beings. So I thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I hope it was useful. And I look forward to our next one. Thank you very much. Namu Myoho Renge Kyo.